Hi, everybody, and welcome to A Land Called Homily. My name's David, and this is my podcast. I'm an Episcopal priest serving a beautiful little parish on the Gulf Coast of Alabama called St. Paul's Chapel. These are my weekly talks from our worship service, so I hope they can be of some help to you. Take what you can use and discard the rest. If you're interested in more of my content or if you'd like to get in touch with me, you can visit my website at davidchatel.com. Thanks for listening. It was a day like any other day. But on this particular day, Jesus gathered up Peter and James and John and said, Boys, let's go on a hike. I can hear Peter now. Let me guess, Jesus, we're going up a mountain. Jesus turns and smiles and is out the door laughing to himself because his disciples finally picked up on his affinity for mountaintops. As the others caught up with him, I imagine it was a quiet hike. No questions about where they were going, no small talk, because Jesus was always dragging them up a mountain or on to the next town, and this time was no different, except it was. After a while of walking, they reached the top of the mountain, and before they had a chance to ask why they were there, something happened that would push the boundaries of their reality. To us, it would have seemed straight out of a science fiction movie, Jesus was standing there right before their eyes. Something happened to the way he appeared. But the first time, the disciples got to see Jesus in all of his unfiltered divine reality, beyond his human form. The limitations of their human perception were Removed in that moment. What they experienced wasn't a transformation of Jesus into something that he wasn't before that moment. It was a revealing of the true reality of who Jesus was and had been every day of their lives together. They saw a bright Light glowing around him, his body itself radiant. And as if that wasn't enough, there were a few others standing with Jesus who, oddly enough, were not on the hike up. Elijah and Moses just suddenly hanging out with Jesus and talking to him. You know, no big deal. Just two of the most important figures in Jewish history having a casual conversation with Jesus. Peter, of course was so excited and beside himself that he thought they might as well just stay there indefinitely on that mountain with glowing Jesus and Moses and Elijah. He wanted to build places for everybody to stay. And when you think about it, how in the world would you go back to normal life after something like that? There are some wild stories in the Gospels, folks, But this one is a standout. 
and maybe more significant than we give it credit for. Whether you live in the first century or, or now, this isn't something that happens every day. Our days seem full of waking up, getting ready, working, eating, normal, mundane, everyday stuff fills most of our time. Maybe every once in a while, something unusual happens. It'll break through the surface and get our attention. But for the most part, it fades. Normalcy moves back in and is normal. Sometimes that normalcy can get maddening after you've done it for a number of years. I suppose that's why they call them midlife crises. We live for so long with the same routines and surroundings and the same situations that sometimes we wonder what life would be like if it was different. And whether we are like it or not, we all have this tendency towards disregarding our current state of affairs and looking to something better in the future or ruminating about something better in the past. This got especially easy to do over the last four or so years as we dealt with and started to recover from a global pandemic. The entire world was longing together for a better moment in the undefined future. And we all know that it's not unusual, especially the older that we get, for us to reflect on the past also with rose-colored glasses and wish we could go back to a better time. Anything to keep us from having to deal with the reality of here and now. You want to camp out in our hearts and minds in the highest mountaintop experiences, whether that's in the future or the past. So I don't really blame Peter for wanting to stay on that mountain. Being a follower of Jesus at that point was, was not easy and it was getting harder day after day. There were all Always people surrounding Jesus, tugging at him, wanting a piece of him. This healing and that healing and this casting out and that casting out and this teaching and this feeding. Always something going on and there was always, you could count on it, some lurker in the crowd from the religious institution trying to trap Jesus in something he said. And all of this talk of his death just didn't fit at all with what they were hoping for and what they were expecting. So to be suddenly caught up in the actual divine presence of Jesus with blinding evidence to the true identity of who he was, was to say the least overwhelming. And I think a lot of us would have wanted to push the pause button right there on that mountain and all the glory and assurance and hope and peace that it brought, rather than have to face another day of life on the ground. Suddenly the story says that a cloud descended on them, and as if they needed a more dramatic experience, a voice boomed out from the cloud, This is my son, the beloved, listen to him. And as the last words echoed off the top of that mountain, they looked around and everything was back to normal. No more glowing Jesus, no more Elijah and Moses, no more cloud, just regular old Jesus and his friends and what I'm sure was a long, quiet hike 
back down the mountain. Especially after Jesus looks at them and says, uh, hey guys, don't tell anybody about this. (laughs) We call this story the transfiguration for a reason. It's because Jesus wasn't transformed on the mountain. His appearance just suddenly matched his reality. His divine nature revealed. But Jesus wasn't the only one who was transfigured that day. Peter, James, and John had their own transfiguration. Theirs was one that started before They were formed in their mother's wombs as they sprung out of the awareness of God. Scripture tells us that before we were formed, we were known. And it really picked up steam when Jesus first called them to be disciples. And it continued as they followed him in ministry and absorbed his teachings. And as they watched him day after day. They were transfigured too, not because of the shocking, amazing nature of what they were seeing, but because they were experiencing a culmination of their own transfiguration. They they were never the same after they came down that mountain, but the transfiguration of the disciples happened for them mostly like it happens for us. Every mundane day. As they did life and they grew closer together, the more time they spent with Jesus, the more they began to be like Jesus, the more they began to talk and act like him. They were becoming united with Jesus in ways they couldn't possibly understand right then. And when it was all said and done, the spirit of God, that same spirit that was in Jesus was revealed in them. And the incarnation of Jesus lived on in the lives of his friends and became even more convincing just as the brightness of Jesus lit up that mountaintop that day. Jesus was revealed in the disciples, the body of Christ lighting up the world. And that transfiguration miracle spread like wildfire across the earth. The truth is, folks, we just don't realize how deeply we are involved in this story. We think it's about Jesus and the disciples and that's it. But the transfiguration story continues in us, too. Humans indwelled, incarnated, transfigured by the Holy Spirit, by God's grace. This word transfigured is only used a few times in the New Testament. And one of those times is in the third chapter of 2 Corinthians. And this scripture, I've been so excited to share this all week long. It takes my breath away. And this is what it says. And all of us with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of the Lord as they're reflected in a mirror, 
are being transfigured into that same image from glory to glory. That's what it means to be a part of the redemption of humanity through the timeless reality of Christ that isn't limited to the past or the future, but exists as a bubble that we we wake up in and we find ourselves in. A reality that dominates who we are, that we come to see, that we come to trust, even through the mundane and routine Functions of everyday life. Most of us think that these days just wander past with no real significant action, just filler parts between the big events of life. But in every day, every hour, every moment, even right now, is it possible for us to see that we are all caught up in this timeless presence of Christ? Transfiguring us. Doing its work to reveal Christ in us. Hope in us. In every situation. Even and especially the hardest situations. When it comes to living every day. The intersection of this presence of God. And the real world comes down to what we do with it. Peter wanted to stay on the mountain, but in order for this reality to be true in his life, he had to come down. Our transfiguration is not our responsibility. It's God's responsibility. It's God's doing. He's taking care of it. There's nothing left for us to do but to wake up to it and offer a response of love in return, as a response of affection to God as we see God revealed in ourselves and in our fellow human beings. And this is where the rubber meets the road. Our response to God is defined by the quality of our relationships with and love for others. Hope isn't found in the future. Hope isn't found In the past, those places only exist as memories and projections of the neurons in our brains. Our transfiguration happens now, right now. In the moment, God's time from glory to glory, like looking into a mirror transfigured into the image of Christ. And today, I would like to challenge you to shine like Jesus shined on the top of that mountain. Shine and love and take a risk to let someone into your heart and into your care and watch how God is revealed in yourself and in that person. In the end, all that's really happening is that we are taking off the blinders to reveal God loving us And loving through us. Like holy mirrors. Echoes of the truth of God about each other. When we look into that mirror. Or across our tables. 
or across the street or across the train tracks. What we see is the face of God staring back. Amen.